0: Before we start this week's show, we wanted to take a moment to say the names of the people who we lost to the Buffalo and Uvalde massacres over the last 10 days. Ruth Whitfield, Pearlie Young, Catherine Massey, Celestine Cheney. Geraldine Chapman Talley, Aaron Salter Jr., Andre McNeil, Marcus D. Morrison, Roberta Drury, Hayward Patterson, Alexandria Anaya Rubio, Alethea Ramirez. Amory Jo Garza. Annabel Guadalupe Rodriguez. Eliana Cruz Torres. Eliana Eli Garcia. Eva Mireles. Irma Garcia. Jackie Casares. Jayla Nicole Soguera, Jace Loivanos, Jose Flores, Layla Salazar, McKenna Lee Elrod, Maite Rodriguez, Miranda Mathis, Nevea Bravo, Rogelio Torres, Tess Marie Mata, Uzziah Garcia, Xavier Lopez. Your lives were not in vain, and we will fight for change in your honor. God bless. Hi, this is Maisie. And this is Sean. And this is Our Root Awakening. All right, Sean. We
1: are recording this the week of May 22nd, 2022. And a lot has been going on in the United States by pretty much these past two weeks. So I'm going to let you just uh, take the lead on this.
0: Okay. As Misey said, you know, a lot is going on this week. A lot. Is always going on. I feel right. like these days there's always something to cry about, talk about, you know, be angry about. But right. in these last two weeks, we have had two shootings, one in Buffalo, New York, targeting um, Black people. basically so right. By- a- Mm -hmm. Yeah, a racially motivated hate crime specifically acted out in a majority Black area by a 19-year-old gunman uh, who went into a supermarket with an AR-15 in the middle of the day. It so happens that most of his victims were senior citizens, I think just based on the time of day, but um, all but I think one Were black Americans, and that was his mission. And he actually wrote out a 180 page, I believe, manifesto outlining his purposes and was very clear in his motivation. And it was all based on so called white replacement theory and was specific towards targeting and killing black Americans. Right then as we're grieving the loss of the 10 people who who perished in that attack we hear about another mass shooting in Uvalde, Texas, a very small town about 70 miles from the Mexico border and about 80 miles outside of San Antonio
1: wow.
0: where another teenager this time an 18-year-old again with an AR15 Went into an elementary school after shooting his grandmother and engaging in fire with police officers at the scene. And he proceeded to kill 19 children, age 10, most of them, and two teachers. Right. In the time that passed while he was there before the cops were able to take him down.
1: And he bought these guns on his 18th birthday, I believe, which was just about like a week or two ago.
0: Right. He was able, legally, yes. He bought two assault rifles, one of which he used to carry out this horrific crime. And he also bought, I think I saw something like 250 rounds of ammunition. Mm Mm-hmm. And so he was, like you said, able to legally buy them. The same is true for the shooter in Buffalo. Right. He too was able to legally purchase these large assault weapons. And in his manifesto went into great detail about which weapons he would use and how he would modify them and outfit them for continuous shooting, high power shooting. And, you know, these are... AR-15s are war weapons. I also, um, we also know that at least one of the shooters was wearing full body armor. Uh, That's the Buffalo shooter. There have been some conflicting reports about the shooter in Uvalde, but as of right now, it looks like he was not wearing body armor. But again, body armor is something that police officers and soldiers wear. It has really, in my mind, like the AR15 no place in civilian life. You know, a lot of a lot of um gun advocates argue, you know, you need guns for protection or they use them in sport for hunting and the like. Mm-hmm. Nobody hunts with an AR15, presumably if you're hunting, you're doing it for sport but also for use of the meat um, and the pelts and an AR15 destroys that. Nobody uses that type of a high powered weapon to shoot animals. Right, right. For hunting. It's, yeah, and, it's specifically for killing people and lots of people right. at a quick span of time. And I think um, that
1: it's it's just important. Let's just be honest about it. I think in order for us to, I guess, say, look for solutions, we need honesty and just say it. <laughs> you know, I think we've talked about this in other podcast if this is what you believe this is what you want then just say it we know AR-15 people can use it in target practice and shooting bales of hay but we know it's real purpose it's not to hunt you no. know the weapon for I don't want to say mass destruction but it's a weapon of war like you said so and it is to provide to provide harm so let's just be honest about it Don't J- you know if you still, if you agree with it you still want it to be Available to the general public. If you believe that this helps prevent tyranny from the government, just say it. But be honest about it. And I think it's important to mention Sean with the Buffalo shooter that there was an armed guard there at the store because I know we'll get into that as well in terms of arguments for for more guns, right?
0: Well, let's body
1: armor, right? The, he, yeah. the guy did shoot him,
0: right? And let's so let's take that one now since you brought it up a lot of the response to the outcry over these shootings has been to propose more guns right. you know we need good guys with guns to shoot the bad guys with guns so let's make sure there are armed people everywhere
1: you know one thing it's interesting because i've been watching a lot of news clips and i believe that they said after sandy hook the uh, head of the N in, in R-A, mm-hmm. I believe it's Wayne here, that he said that the only way to stop bad guys with guns is good guys with guns. Right. And it seems like ever since then that has been the argument.
0: Right. That's sort of the chief rhetoric. And to be clear, at least in the two shootings this week, there were armed officers on the scene. And in the Buffalo case of the Buffalo shooting, the guard in the, in the store, in the grocery store, was a former police officer mm-hmm. used to handling a, a weapon. He had right. a weapon on him. He en- right. He engaged with the shooter, shot at him, but was unable to stop him because he was wearing body armor and he also had an AR-15. Mm-hmm. And so sadly, that that retired police officer lost his life and that trying made- to protect protect the people inside the store
1: in Parkland Florida and we haven't looked at every major on because there are a lot have there been a lot of school shootings mass school shootings and also a lot of just mass shootings since the Sandy Hook which I believe was in 2012 but a lot of these schools do have security guards I know in Parkland there was a security guard there mm-hmm. so but I know we're, we're focusing on these two places but like you said even and this Recent Texas shooting that this person did at least encounter
0: two armed officers, and this still happened. Right, exactly. They were unable to stop him. And the issue is that this rhetoric is the same rhetoric that we've been hearing. You brought up some of the earlier shootings, but we could go all the way back to Columbine, you know, talking about school shootings, but mm-hmm. even. Beyond that, you know, the Las Vegas shooting at that music festival, you know, there have been so many. And even in this year, I saw a statistic yesterday that there have been more mass shootings this year than there have been days in this year. Wow. Wow. I think we're over 200 mass shootings and we're only 192 days into the year.
1: And one thing to to mention is there's a little bit of uh, varying definitions in terms of what constitutes a mass shooting yeah i believe it's at least what uh four people
0: yeah it's at least four people in the same place at the same time the general
1: idea of it right the same shooter uh,
0: definition so
1: it's a blatant disregard for life we want to look at some of the like sean said the rhetoric or the arguments for In my opinion, doing nothing because we've heard about this, I would say, ever since. And I hate to even say this, the Colorado shooting in a movie theater during one of the Batman movies. And this person did actually have some mental health issues. But mental health has always been an argument that we need more funding for mental health in order to prevent these crimes. Like it's not guns that kill people. It's people that kill people. And we just need more funding for mental health. Well, let me be honest with you all. There has not been more funding for mental health. And right. one thing that I read recently is that all over the world, all over in, North, in Western Europe, all over the world, mental health is an issue. The United States is not an outlier in mental health. There are not more people here who have issues with their mental health. So that's not an excuse for the reason why we have these mass shootings. It just doesn't work. The data doesn't prove it.
0: Exactly. And not only that, we can have counseling available for mental health, but there is nothing to stop guns from getting in the hands of the mentally ill. There's because Congress refuses to enact laws that federal level. It's a patchwork. Some
1: states have things. And unfortunately with New York has some red flag laws that unfortunately couldn't, that didn't, and I know you could speak on this more, they didn't pinpoint or they didn't uh, ping for this person. They did do some things when this person mentioned that he like wanted to shoot up his school, they did interact with him, but it wasn't enough.
0: Things can certainly be refined, but I have heard Texas lawmakers in recent days use that as an excuse. You know, New York, Chicago, LA, they all have, quote, real gun laws, and that hasn't stopped violence in their cities. But I would like to see more detailed studies about whether violence has been curtailed you know in some way based on background check laws.
1: Well, I think that that's very interesting and I do feel that the violence in the inner cities which they love mentioning Chicago. Yes, I do, do believe that I do believe that that is an issue and I do believe that these personal and family crimes that needs to be addressed. However, we're talking about mass shootings. Right. We're talking about mass shootings that generally pop up these can happen these have been happening anywhere and everywhere small towns larger towns every state blue states red states all over the country literally so let's talk about these mass shootings and in, the, in these assault rifles or whatever you want to call it cuz i have seen some conservatives Say well, you're getting it wrong. This is not. This is an automatic weapon. This isn't a semi-automatic weapon. You don't know what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. We do know these AR-15s are generally used in war. We do know that, right? So let's let's just say that. And we do know that they that this kind of violence is happening. All over America. This is an issue that we all need to address. Let's stay focused on what this issue is at hand and what we can do about it. And I don't want to hear people talk about Chicago when we talk right. about the small town in Texas where 19 students, 19 children and two adults. And I would exactly. even almost say, Sean, three adults, because we just recently learned today that the, the husband of one of the teachers killed Had a heart attack. Right. He left flowers at the memorial for his wife, went home and collapsed. And there's a lot of collateral damage here. So let's let's be focused. And let's take care of this because there are solutions, there are are things that can be done. And like Sean mentioned, on a federal level, this patchwork, you know, this whole thing about states' rights, we can talk about this and we will talk about this later, (laughs) but there's certain things that can be done on a federal level. And I will say this, after Columbine and with under, I believe it was Bill Clinton where the Brady bill went into Uh effect. Right. There was a decrease in the, it was a, a ban against assault rifles and it was about universal background checks and right. George W. Bush, but that, that ban laps. And the, the universal background checks, there are a lot of loopholes loopholes in that in terms of you don't need to do a background check at gun shows and private sales and things right. like that over at a federal level. And then to be honest President Trump, when he first got into office, one of the things he did was loosen some of the restrictions in terms of people with mental health issues being able to get a gun.
0: Right. So let's let's dig a little deeper into some of these restrictions that have been proposed because what we've heard a lot in the last two weeks is new gun legislation has been proposed or gun control legislation has been proposed, but and it's even passed through the House only to be tabled. There's tons of pending legislation That's just sitting there waiting for Congress to act, but nobody's been incentivized to really push it because they know we're at 50 50 and nothing is going to pass. You need a certain amount of senators to sort of cross party lines and agree with the Democrats who are pushing reform to get things passed. And so things have been languishing. But first one that sort of jumped out to me was one for enhanced background checks. Since Mm -hmm. you were just talking about it, that's one that, that popped up for me. And so the bill would close the Charleston loophole, which is what you were just talking about. So the Charleston loophole allows some gun sales to proceed even without a background check if that screening is not completed within three days. So that was one that, that came up in the Charleston, South Carolina shooting. That's why they call it the Charleston loophole because Dylan roof, who is the, the murderer in that shooting. And this is a shooting in 2015 where Dylan roof um, shot people at a historic black church in Charleston while they were, having a prayer meeting and Bible study.
1: Which he was welcome to and a part of.
0: Yes. And he attended and was welcomed with open arms. And then after. Another hate crime. Exactly. He shot people based on their race. And he would have failed the background check had a screener received notice that he'd been arrested previously. But since the check wasn't completed in three days, they went ahead and gave him his weapon and he ended up using that to kill a large number of people.
1: I didn't know that.
0: Yeah. So they a bill was proposed in um, 2021 using that murder as an example and that loophole and pointing it out as a problem. And it was put forth. It passed in the House okay. uh, back in March of last year. And then it went to the Senate. And it is sponsored in the Senate. They've been seeking to pass the bill with unanimous consent, but it's Sean, been. A- can you explain what unanimous consent is? Unanimous consent is when you put a bill on the floor before the Senate and ask that everybody approves without the formality of a vote, and so the House Speaker can just say, "Are there any objections?" If there aren't any, it can be adopted by the full approval of the Senate. But in the case of this bill, which is called the Enhanced Background Checks Act of 2021, to close the Charleston loophole, the senator from Iowa objected, Senator Chuck Grassley. Ah, I feel and like we've heard from him. We've heard, we've heard that name before in the confirmation hearings. But yes, so he objected and it's been tabled since that time. The other one that you kind of touched on, you mentioned, you know, it kind of depends on who's selling the guns, whether you're licensed or not licensed, and whether you're at a gun show or you're a gun dealer. And so another major gun reform bill, which was also passed by the House, was called the Bipartisan Background Checks Act of 2021. And that bill is also tabled in the Senate, but it sought to expand background checks for all gun sales and transfers. So right now, licensed gun dealers have to run background checks and in the FBI database, and that is, ha- is meant to screen out felons, illegal immigrants, domestic violence abusers, m- severely mentally ill people, as you noted, the mentally the mental illness rollbacks um that came under Trump led to that designation. You have to be severely mentally right, ill right if I don't know what types of mental illness allow you to get a gun. um that's probably something that we could look into if people want to understand more about it, but so it'll screen it screen you out if you're severely yeah. mentally ill or any other category that should bar you from buying or owning weapons. That's also very amorphous language. I'm not really sure what well, falls into that category.
1: It's interesting, again, when we talk about doing things on a federal level, which will affect all states,
0: mm-hmm.
1: would that have flagged the Buffalo shooter? Would that have flagged the Texas shooter?
0: I don't <laughs> I, think It doesn't so. sound
1: like it. It does not
0: sound like it. It clearly uh, didn't, because both bought from gun dealers. And and that and presumably passed the background check and made legal purchases, right? You These know, people
1: wouldn't necessarily be considered severely mentally ill,
0: right? And so, how do you yeah. how do you really quantify criteria? severe mental illness if somebody hasn't been committed by their parents or arrested and a police officer deemed mm-hmm. them mentally ill and had them, you know, placed or institutionalized? Mm -hmm. Um, you know, without that, then there's really no way for an FBI background check to pick that up. FBI background checks don't pick up comments by neighbors or coworkers that are like, "Mm, he might be a little off or teachers if nothing was recorded. Um, And it's
1: funny, I have to say this, and it's not funny, but if people have been listening to our podcast for a while, they know that I have this kind of macabre kind of idea of um, or a sense of humor in terms of things that are not funny, but just absurd. And here in Georgia, there will be uh, an election between a Democrat, Raphael Warnock, and a Republican, Herschel Walker. And one of the things he mentioned, and it took a while for me to understand, he was on Fox News and asked about, you know, the mass shootings and I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt of what he actually said. And I hope he that everybody knows what Walker. Herschel Walker. Yes, thank you. Mm-hmm. And one of the things he was saying is that they need a department. Again, this is after listening to what he said many, many times and trying to figure it out. But he said there needs to be a department to monitor men and women and their social media. So one could argue what kind of department would do that. And I know even with Obama, with them monitoring phone calls, it would cause a huge uproar on the right and the left. So how, uh-huh. like you said, how do you figure out what's real and what's not, what's in, uh, in intentional, what right. will lead to action and what is just someone venting? So can we really have in the United States, the quote unquote land of the free, a department that monitors Social media, and again, what criteria would say when someone is going to be violent and when right. they're not going to be? That is just, I appreciate him offering that, but me as a layperson can shoot that down, no pun intended. Right now, I need to hear from our elected officials. Again, these are elected people, <laughs> elected by the people, and are. Quote unquote free democracy, because one of the things we boast about in the United States is that we are a democracy. We are one of the longest thriving, one could say, or living democracies in the world. And we value freedom and, for some people, the Constitution over anything else. And the somewhat, some people's interpretation of the Constitution above anything else. So, Would people really want their social media to be monitored in terms of what they think or say and how that could possibly be violent? I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't know how you would do that with all the Americans. There's 300 plus million of us. What department would handle that? And again, what would be the criteria? So I thank you for, for offering that as a possibility. And like I said, I have to shoot that down because that is not, what do you call it? Like fathomable?
0: (laughs) Yeah, it (laughs) It, doesn't seem practical. It doesn't seem practical. And and, um, I mean, I don't know that people could object to their social media being monitored only because it's already public. But Mm -hmm. I think that I think in terms of the government doing it, and yeah. you're right.
1: I do think you have a good point because we all know that our social media is monitored in terms of the things that we want and how that's how advertising works, which a lot of people have, have issues with. But when you enter the government into it, one thing the, of, that America, the United States was founded on is sort of a, a being skeptical of the federal yeah. government being skeptical of government which is one of the reasons why people feel that we have in need the second amendment right sure. in terms of a well regulated militia and also the right to bear arms and people one of the arguments that they use is to prevent the tyranny of of the federal government right yeah
0: sure i think though i mean i think social media is already monitored by the government mm-hmm. department of Homeland security.
1: You think social media.
0: Yes At,
1: absolutely. at a federal level. Yes, ma'am. Wait, I'm um, thinking this through. I'm thinking this through. Not- not no, for I agree with you. I agree all with you. Americans necessarily,
0: where like every day you have someone assigned to every tweet that you make, and somebody's watching, and they're going to contact you or start watching you or tapping your phones or what have you. But certainly, the Department of Homeland you know Security does monitor social media posts. I would
1: say it. Im- I would say that and, lo- and looks targeted. into them
0: if something is troublesome.
1: I would say that's more targeted towards international terrorism. Sure. versus domestic terrorism and i i agree with you and i'm glad that you mentioned that because there was a whole issue and there still is an issue in terms of what is domestic terrorism and that gets people's backs up especially according to one side of the aisle in our politics in terms of what domestic terrorism is considered these white is a white supremacy is a white nationalism, things like that. Cause I remember when president Obama became president, lots of people had issues in terms of what the government considered terrorism and domestic terrorism. So I will go, I, I do agree. And like I said, with president Obama, there was an, a uproar about the federal government monitoring in this in this case it was phone calls so that's different than yeah. social media which is public and like I said I'm so glad that you mentioned that because that's something that I didn't consider but I do feel that in more likely they do monitor in terms of domestic terrorism and terroristic that threats and things yeah. I'm just going to say more with the Middle East
0: yeah I think I think there has been some effort in the wake of some of the shootings to kind of check into the dark web and also to look at 4CAN and 8CAN, like all of these sort of um, platforms known for QAnon, conspiracy theory, extremist views, exactly. And and some monitoring has gone on there because there's been some backlash with some mass shootings where, you know, there was a deep dive into the social media of these murderers after the fact. That's what I and feel, that generally least, it's after least, the fact. Yeah, but at least in a couple of those situations, there have been um, news stories where the FBI said we were aware that there was nothing that stood out as an imminent threat.
1: Interesting. And so
0: there was no attempt to act on those things. And so it goes back to the untenability of... Herschel Walker's proposal which is you know how do you determine I mean presumably there is a way to determine because people have said in law enforcement that we didn't see it as you know an imminent threat Mm -hmm. we looked into it we interviewed and we didn't see it as an imminent threat and so how do you determine like you said what's venting what's comedy what is uh, just anger you know and not, you know, a threat? Like, how far does it go? Are you just going to start arresting people for speaking their mind? You know, is the FBI going to show up on your doorstep? Because you say something, because I've heard this a lot. So I'm going to use it as an example. You know, nothing is going to change in Congress until one of their kids' schools is shot up. Mm -hmm. And so can somebody interpret that as a threat? Oh, are you going to do it? Are you encouraging people to do it? Like well, now you're on the watch list. It, just seems it like- only
1: happens, you get the visit from the FBI when it is someone in politics. And that could be Supreme Court, because remember that one passed very quickly about people yeah. protesting and they were peacefully protesting outside yeah. of Supreme Court justices' homes. So that one passed very quickly in terms of them providing security, I believe, and also yeah. saying that these people couldn't pick it right outside of their homes. So when it comes to the president or comes to politicians, yes, they will make action very quickly. But I feel like, okay, so we have looked at mental health in terms of we're exploring the arguments in terms of why we should keep the status quo, right? So we've looked at mental health. We've looked at monitoring social media to find those bad apples. I believe we've even looked at having armed security guards because we've seen that that has not, Uh, prevented these mass shootings. So I would like us to look at some of the things that are being proposed to mitigate because I believe that people, even who are quote unquote liberals, who want more gun control, realize that we're not going to get rid of guns and they don't necessarily want all guns to be banned.
0: To go away. But that's uh, a lot has been made of you know the approval ratings for background checks um in the ba- in the past couple of weeks and it's something like 90% of americans yeah, approve to 90% background percent. checks, whatever even, it is it's even, a big, even a big gun advantage. owners <laughs> right it's a huge majority and that's even among gun owners i think a sane gun owner doesn't have a problem with going through a background check and with other people going through a background check. You want to know that the people who have guns in their possession are capable of handling the weight of all that comes with that. The so, responsibility,
1: right. So, there, should right. Be, there should be a feeling of responsibility. And when you take away some of these restrictions, as it has been in Georgia and Tennessee, where you don't even need a permit for concealed carry, you don't need, if we already know you don't need to take any classes in most of these states, where is the responsibility? Where, Like you said, where is the weight of responsibility? Right.
0: So that brings us back to what we were discussing a couple of minutes ago, which was the Bipartisan Background Checks Act. So what I was saying is the current law for licensed gun dealers is to run potential buyers through the FBI database for all those categories that we discussed. But for unlicensed gun sellers, like the people that you see at the gun shows or people who sell guns over the Internet, they don't have to do background checks or screenings. They don't even on the Internet. They don't even see you in person. You know, you go in like you would shop for shoes and you buy a gun and they ship it to you. And so there is no background check. And similarly, at gun shows, which has been a problem for quite a long time, they've been trying to get regulations in place for gun shows. And often, you know, these people come, they sell the guns, they disappear. So even if you did want to go back and try to figure out, well, what was your interaction with this person? Why did you sell them a gun? you know, you can't because they disappear after the show and move on to the next. It's often not a legitimately operating business. They're not even licensed. So those background check distinctions don't apply to them currently. And so there is a law on the table to try to resolve that and impose background checks across the board. It passed in the House eight republicans joining the democrats to get it passed in the house and then it got to the senate and it got tabled it failed in the senate in a 54 to 46 vote with four democrats crossing to join the republicans and those democrats are not in office anymore but and did any
1: republicans cross the aisle
0: no they did not exactly and so this uh this hasn't come back up since it failed on the floor, the other law or another law that is that passed in the House and was tabled in the Senate is Jamie's Law, and if you've been watching the news, particularly after the Uvalde shooting, you've seen a lot of Jamie's dad, who is uh, Jamie is Jamie Gutenberg, who was a victim of the Parkland shooting. She was one of the high school students that was shot. Her father became a anti gun activist, and um, had senators who sponsored Jamie's Law, which prohibits people from certain people from purchasing ammunition. There's not really a mechanism in place to enforce it because background checks are not required prior to ammunition purchases. So they're trying to get some um, legislation around ammunition purchases that too uh, has been tabled. Mm -hmm. And then you mentioned the red flag laws mentioned uh, Mm -hmm. in some of the press coverage. Talked about it in Texas, that there are these,
1: these bills um, that are up for debate and, uh, for passing that, like you said, mentioned these red flag laws. So like, what what are some of these things? What are, what are those about generally?
0: So red flag laws are designed to prevent shootings by empowering family members and law enforcement to seek protective orders um, for so-called extreme risk cases that would bar people who are extremely risky for being like the next mass shooter let's say
1: or the concern about it because yeah, you the know con- like right. maybe if they've said it or you think they're a threat to themselves or to others
0: right uh, right and it would prevent them it would get a protective order to prevent them from purchasing a gun and then a federal judge has to be involved. You have to deem that person a threat to themselves or others, like you said. And in some states, you need a medical professional to weigh in as well to um, sort of support that idea that they're the person people are seeking to have an injunction against.
1: Sean, that I'm not saying that we shouldn't have that because I definitely believe that that is important, especially if we are going to have a lot of guns in this country.
0: But I also have a lot of guns in this country,
1: and that's what we've we've decided. You know, that's what I mean. That's what we've decided. We're not going to have these like federal buyback. So we know that we're going to have a lot of guns in this country. Mm -hmm. So I do think that that's important. That sounds like a long time and a lot of red tape. I'm not saying we shouldn't have it. I think we definitely should. But that sounds like a lot of work.
0: It does seem like it could be a lot of red tape. I think you have a couple of representatives. I know Lucy McBath was trying to get that passed in Georgia. Um, If you could uh, just
1: mention who Lucy McBath is.
0: She is a representative from Georgia. Um, Her son was lost to gun violence. She's one of the mothers of the movement. And she had gotten that passed in the House Judiciary Committee. But again, these are laws that get some traction in the house and no traction in the Senate or are they and just stall out because of the 50 50 split. It's um, important to
1: let our listeners know that, I don't know, we might have some, I believe we have some international listeners based on what mm-hmm. I've seen and also just for, you know, the citizens here, because I think it can be a little bit murky, but generally bills begin in the house.
0: Right. Exactly. Generally. So, you've had a lot of Senators, well, Democratic Senators. Let me take that back with some exceptions. I mean, Susan Collins from Maine is a Republican representative. Um, the state of Maine has successfully passed red flag laws. but, like you said, it does seem like a lot of red tape, but I think the important part of it is it gives people on the ground the ability to initiate some some movement, some protective movement because often. After these mass shootings happen, they go back and talk to the friends and the family and they say things like, well, you know, he was struggling with depression or he was violent lately. And he was, you know, seemed to be um, idolizing guns lately. Or I think the Connecticut, excuse me, the Buffalo shooter, his mother said, you know, he became a different person after being isolated during COVID, which... I will confess, I rolled my eyes at. Um, well, I heard
1: that even about his the friends of the Texas shooter. Yeah, as well, exactly. Yeah. But
0: but in that instance, you know, not with um, necessarily the Uvalde shooter because you had the one coworker who made the comment about the cuts on the face. Yeah. It was a friend of his. So, and I would encourage people to Google rather than us going into that piece of the story here. But I think you did have a friend that made some comments. You had some text messages that were exchanged. But
1: hindsight is 2020, right? <laughs> and yes, I exactly. think it's, it's so well, important
0: to, I mean the text messages between the Uvalde shooter and the the young girl that's overseas, I mean, blatantly came out and said, you know, I'm going to shoot my grandmother. I'm going to shoot up in elementary school. And before that, a lot of a sort of insinuation of, I have a secret to tell you, I am planning something. But again, I wouldn't expect a 15-year-old to really know what to do with that. And especially I think, a 15-year-old in another country. Right, you know?
1: in the majority of the these shootings. And I'm talking... There have been so many, which I'm just gonna say sucks. <laughs> there have been so many that, again, as Sean mentioned, we look at their digital footprint, and that's why I say that hindsight is 2020 because yeah. it makes sense now that these things were leading up to a shooting. But sometimes that those things don't lead up to a shooting. Right. One thing that John Meacham, who is a noted historian, he said on Morning Joe today. And one of the things he mentioned is, you know, in our democracy, he wasn't sure if we were up to it. But the most important thing, the thing that I want to mention is he said if these laws could save just one person. They would be worth it or would they be worth it? Ask yourself if these laws could save one person. So when we look at these red flag laws, when we look at these federal level in-depth background checks, if they could save just one life.
0: Yeah. I mean, yourself, life, over, life over weapons. Would I'm it be always... worth it?
1: Cause that life, you know, there's a song, I believe like the life you save may be your own. I don't know exactly what song it is, but if that can save your family member, if it can save a stranger,
0: yeah.
1: would it be worth it just to have a little bit more paperwork? You got to wait a little bit longer. Right. Right. But how much of it does that take away your second amendment? Rights? Right.
0: And why do you care? Like, honestly, if you are a responsible gun owner, why do you care if you have to get a background check? Like, do you have some urgency? Did you wait to apply for your gun permit one day before hunting season started? No. And so, and if you did, that's on you for poor planning. You can wait three days for a background check to go through. You can wait to be screened for you know, former felony offenses for drugs, for, you know, mental illness, what have you, because the larger interest should be in a safer America where we don't have to be afraid to go run errands, grocery shopping, or take our kids to school and worry about or them coming the home movies. at the it, end of the day. The or go thing. to the movies or a concert. All these it's people exactly. fighting, all these people fighting for freedom during COVID and wanting to get out of the house and not wear wear masks and all this kind of stuff. Like you should want to be able to go back into the world that's safe, that can meet you safely.
1: And this is for, and that pertains to all Americans, those who own guns and those who do not. So I think it's a, it's a good question to ask ourselves in terms of, we know, Believe me, we know that this will not prevent all school shootings, all mass shootings. We're right. not saying that, but we're saying if we're there's a way to mitigate,
0: it. yeah, to lessen
1: yeah. the possibility, to lessen the carnage
0: yeah. when
1: these things happens because these things happen. Excuse me, because we know with the Second Amendment, people treat this Constitution literally. As if it's the Bible, when I say literally, I mean like the literal word for word, these originalists, as if it's the Bible. And sometimes I'll even say more so than in terms of what it means for how we live our lives. They will go back and they'll think about what the founders meant. These are a group of people and a lot of them are on the Supreme Court. Again, that's a whole other conversation, but and also with the NRA and how they have been able to influence Not only our politicians, our congressmen and women, but also the Supreme Court. But we have to look at if we are going to live with guns. What can we do to lessen the violence? And in this episode, we're looking at mass shootings. We will explore in a further episode about individual crimes which includes domestic violence and robberies and burglaries, whatever you want to call it. But we're talking about mass shootings right now. If we're going to live with guns in the United States, what can we do to lessen that possibility of these mass shootings? And that's what we're talking about today. And that's where we're hoping to find consensus. And there, you know, I don't want to hear quote unquote common sense because some common sense gun laws, because that to me is also sort of a, what do you call it, Sean, where it's like just a a phrase that they use and mm-hmm. it can mean anything, right? Right, right. So let's let's figure this out.
0: And Hold on, I, I was just looking up the exact wording of the Second Amendment. Okay, Cause I, cause, I remember watching a, a senator on this morning who was talking about. You know, all this uh, focus on the Second Amendment is like the greatest bamboozlement. Basically, oh, that was
1: um the William Berger, who was yeah uh, Supreme Court Chief Supreme uh,
0: Court Justice. That's well, right. he
1: was also what do you call the person who heads the Supreme Court? What Roberts is Chief Justice. He was the Chief Justice, I believe. Because yeah, there was a Burger Court. Yeah, and that was on um a uh, Lawrence O'Donnell and she- uh Seth Myers. So,
0: oh right, that's what it was. I'm like, I know, I just saw it.
1: Yeah. And it's uh, interesting because I know Anthony Scalia, he's sort of cemented in terms of like Second Amendment's rights need everything, you know, uh-huh. so and that there wasn't any restriction on it. But so everyone, I have to admit, when Sean mentioned that we needed to talk about this, these current events that are happening in the United States regarding gun violence and mass shootings, I told her to have at it. I didn't necessarily want to talk about it because i felt like it just didn't matter for me with sandy hook in 2012 if america couldn't come together with the slaughter and i hate to use that word but there's no other it way was. to say it for what was it over 20 uh
0: kindergartners kindergarten,
1: right children between the ages of six and seven and six adult staff members. If we couldn't come together for that. And I'm going to say this, Sean, and I I don't want to sound too cynical, but for these young white children, if we couldn't come together for that, I just, I lost hope that we could come together for anything. Uh And with one of the, I believe the second, and there were shootings in between this. Well, with Marjorie uh, Stoneman Douglas, which uh, I believe happened in 2018. I think so. Uh, I was heartened by the the children who went and I'll call them children because they were high school students, but they were 18 and under. Yeah. Who really sought to make change. Yep. And there were a few things that happened in Florida, but I felt like if we couldn't even for six and seven year olds make any enacting any federal level gun laws, there are things that happened in, in uh, Chris Murphy. I, I mentioned Chris Murphy cause he's been an outspoken proponent of gun, gun laws, gun control laws. And um, Chris Murphy
0: is the Senator in Connecticut. Right. So many so, of you saw giving a passionate speech on the house fo- on the Senate floor.
1: Right. So I, I feel like, you know, there were things that they did in Connecticut, but I just felt like I felt hopeless. And when Sean mentioned, like I said, when she mentioned doing this, I'm like, girl, you have at it. And I have to say with people that are close to me, that who are educators, people who are parents, and just looking and reading about these people who are suffering not only the the parents from Sandy Hook from Parkland and from all over who are rising who have been there they have been there since that time they haven't gone away and who are offering their support for the people in Texas i'm like i can't just give up i can't just say well nothing's going to change and like president biden said you know by God, when are we going to stop just being beholden to the gun lobby? So I'm glad that she wanted to talk about this. I I want us to have a discussion about it. I want us to look at the reasonings, you know, the proponents for, in my opinion, not changing anything for keeping the status quo in terms of gun ownership and what those, you know, how much those hold water and what we can do.
0: Right. And I do want to say that you did tell me have at it and you kind of pushed back on me a little bit when I first raised it um, with the Buffalo shooting. And I could sense your hopelessness, but I think not only do we owe a duty to our loved ones who are educators, but also to our country as right. a whole. Right. To the parents, to, to the students who have been yeah. injured, the, students, to the teachers died. To the teachers who, not only the ones in our family, but to the teachers who meant so much to us as we were coming up. That's a good point. You know, it is, it's incumbent upon all of us to k- just keep talking about it. And for somebody who said, "had have at it, you had a lot to say. So... <laughs> I think that it was there bubbling under the surface. And you do have a lot to say about the topic, but your heart's broken. Like everybody else's heart is broken that this continues to happen. And we have lawmakers who have chosen money and power over people. So true. And just like the Senator from Connecticut said, you need to question what you're doing here. To his fellow senators, why did you want this job? Right, if you're not here to make a difference, and if you're not going to do anything in the face of these types of tragedies, then you need to go. and And that brings me to other purpose I had in doing this, which is to encourage people to vote. You right. know, this changing the face of the Senate is the only way to change the activity of the Senate. Trying to elect people. Who are in favor of gun control. Right. And And you have all this
1: gerrymandering with the House. Yeah. And you're right. Like we have to vote and vote for the, you know, they talk about vote your values, but like you said, look at these people, look at who's for and who has been against. And if this is something that's important to you, I just hope that people really, really take a moment to be educated yeah. and to make their vote count because i'm right. s- i'm sick and tired of hearing people say that the parties are both the same i'm so sick and tired of hearing yeah. that and your vote doesn't or matter. that your vote
0: doesn't matter and all but that kind does. of stuff it does matter And that's you one of the only things... you saw it matter
1: yes and you know you can election you can do it's one of the main things that as a citizen of the united states that we can do that counts and exactly. to bring about change. You exactly. can, you know, write letters and you can call your your public officials offices and things like that. But voting is so important. And I'm sick of us being held captive by a minority. All these things. How many times, Sean, do we have to hear about the majority of Americans agree but yet that's not what is enacted in our laws right. and how we are and that's
0: Not reflected at the polls because exactly. people don't show up
1: and reflected in how we can live our lives. So right. even with gerrymandering, I get it. It's difficult, but we cannot give up. And one thing and Sean, I'm glad you mentioned, I'm glad you pushed this because I felt like giving up. I felt like, you know, we just have to, you know, keep your head. We, we have to protect ourselves and protect our heart and we just have to deal with it. And. I think there are a lot of people that are tired of just dealing with it and we need to make change.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I I just think it's time to call people on their bullshit. You have a party who swears they're pro-life, but you're not protecting the lives that are here. Right. So it's time that they get called on that. push to the mat, make laws that protect or get voted out. And I, right. I would
1: even challenge to what is freedom? Is freedom the ability not to wear masks? Because I'm telling you people, there have been laws enacted in different states that ban a mandate on wearing masks. So is freedom the ability not to wear masks? Or is freedom the ability to go to school where it's relatively safe and you don't have to have barbed wire and right. armed forces uh Going about the perimeter and tripwire right on the uh the the doors, on is the that freedom on
0: the doors? Right, is that freedom? Is that where I want my babies to go to school? You is know, that for
1: the best country on uh the the self touted best country and most what is it? The, the, the most famous. innovative, the most free, and whatever yeah. the, you know, these people say, is that what the the best country on the face of the earth? right is that that it has. So I I challenge you all to think about what is freedom. And I know one thing, Sean, with all that being said, I'd like to go back to the Second Amendment, because people feel that that's one of the most important amendments that make us free. And Sean, I, I believe that you had something to say about that, because we feel that this amendment is just a end all be all anybody can can bear arms, and it doesn't matter what type of arms that they are. But I believe that they're, that's been open to interpretation. And yeah. this idea of a free-for-all, which many states are adopting, is something that's relatively new. Is that correct?
0: Yeah, I think so. And it, it just came from a clip that I saw with former Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, Warren Berger, and he was talking about the sale, the purchase, and the use of guns being just as regulated as automobiles and boats, you know, licensing for those things are in this country. And he gives some history on the Second Amendment and the right of people to keep and bear arms. And I'm. But what does I'm, the Second Amendment actually say? Okay. So the Second Amendment actually says, let me get you the actual quote.
1: And once she's pulling that up, I'd just like to throw this out. In the United States, you have to be 25 years old in order to rent a car. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be that old to get an AR-15 rifle or to get a handgun. Oh, Throwing yeah. that out, you for need to be 20. Arm. Right,
0: for body You can arm buy arm. weapons of war before you can buy a drink in right. this you country. Have to be, in the
1: United States, you have to be 21. Yeah, to be able to buy alcohol.
0: Right. So the Second Amendment guarantees or says the following, a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right to people, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. So for some context, Berger noted that the need for a state militia was the predicate of the right to bear arms. I feel like... Go ahead.
1: Sorry. And
0: today, the state militia, so-called state militia, serves a different purpose. There's a huge national defense establishment that has assumed the role of the militia of the original Mm -hmm. United States. And Americans do have a right to defend their homes, and nothing should undermine that. But at the same time, there sh- there can be protocols around it. No one questions your right to it, but no one questions the right of citizens to keep and own an own automobile either, or to keep an own fishing rods and guns for hunting equipment. But there are regulations around all of it. You need a license. You have to pass a test. You know there are standards, and so there should be standards. Likewise for firearms so that we could stop, quote, mindless homicidal carnage.
1: Well, I think that's interesting because oh. I believe that um, Antony Scalia in the 90s or maybe early 2000s, he sort of broadened that whole view. And that's been taken in terms of what the Second Amendment means. And that's sort of been the, the way it's been looked at on a state and federal level. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting to me because I feel that like people take that well uh, regulated militia separate from the right to bear arms.
0: Right. They like to ignore that part. Right. And in
1: terms of it being any kind of regulation, as you said, and for us to me, common sense, gun laws is different from people on the other side of the aisle, but Mm -hmm. does that include body armor? Does that include not having any kind of instruction? Does that include high capacity weapons? Does, you know, right? Uh, ammunition does that include high capacity weapons? Right. Um, I know that there are some places that allow you to have only a certain number of bullets. Could that also be able to fulfill the Second Amendment? That's what I mean when I say that some people almost consider it biblical, or even more important than the Bible. Uh-huh. But um, you know, it—I l- like to think that. It, keeping it with the spirit, or actually even the actuality of the law, you can bear arms in the United States. But what's wrong with some type of regulation and the fact that we're going backwards in that? That's disheartening. Right. We,
0: we just I just, ask- I just still don't see why people have such an issue with the background checks and the regulations. Right. Like, do you want the guns in the hands of the mentally ill? And and really, what it comes back to is the gun lobby. I mean, it is. It you is know, and it's not to even get about the, as like many guns as possible in the hands of as many people as possible, right? And, and that they've that's, been successful. That really is. As they've many been successful, people... we have more guns in this country than we have people. So. Exactly,
1: I believe it's about four, roughly four hundred million guns, owned by roughly a hundred million people, and it is more than just. And don't let people mislead you. It's more than just mental health. It is. There are things that can be done to mitigate. And when I say mitigate, that doesn't mean eliminate. That means to lessen the possibility. Right. And as John Meacham said, and I'm sure other pe- people have said, if it could just prevent one death, if it could save one person, ask yourself, right? Is it worth it? I agree. So I hope that you guys have um, learned something, have, have, um, new from our conversation. I know that I have, it's made me rethink a few things in terms of what even with social media and government monitoring, uh, also in terms of the arguments against any type of gun control. We'd like to hear what you think about this, where you stand on the issue, or even if you're not sure what kind of questions you have, because unfortunately, Fortunately, fortunately or unfortunately, gun culture is a part of America, but that doesn't mean that it can't evolve. And we're not trying to say, and I believe you could talk to almost any person who is for gun control. They know that guns are going to be around. They're not trying to say no guns ever because we're trying to work within the framework that we're given. But if you believe, or if you don't believe, there are things that can be done to lessen, mass shootings, or even, we'll even go further and say individual crimes. Let us know. We want to hear from you.
0: We do. And before I tell you where you can weigh in or to find us, I just want to say, don't lose hope, keep fighting. And I want to dedicate this episode to our sisters, who we love and who we're fighting for.
1: You're going to make me cry.
0: (laughs) Right. Listen, I'm gonna right. cry. I'm gonna cry myself. But that's that's the hope that I'm holding on to. My sisters, my nieces. And I want them to be safe. Are, and and they're I trying don't want to wanna...
1: educate our next generation, our current generation. They're trying to educate our children, and they would put their lives on the line for these children.
0: That's right. Every so let's day. Not
1: forget about them.
0: Every day, Every and. Day it's hard enough being an educator without the government also trying to volunteer you for military duty in the midst of it all. So we fight and we will vote. We will vote. And we ask you to do the same. You can find us on Instagram at Rude Awakening Pod or on Twitter at RoodPod. And you can also find us online at OurRudeAwakening.com.
1: Yes, and remember, when you open your eyes, you
0: open your mind. And you should do both before you open your mouth.
1: Love you, sister.
0: Love you, too. Vote! (laughs) Bye, girl. Bye.